Welcome back to I'd Rather Be at the Beach, brought to you by The Bonjour Agency. This is the podcast for school marketing people that's nothing at all to do with school marketing because, let's face it, you work hard enough already. Now, I'm Simon, former marketing manager turned owner of The Bonjour Agency, the place for school marketing managers. In each episode, I speak to someone in the sector who won't talk about work, but we get to find out more about them as a person. Now, in this episode, we're going up north as we speak to the marketing manager at Scarborough College, Zoe Harrison. Now, Zoe's got an interesting life outside of school. She comes from a family of farmers, and they're northern farmers too, so they're hard as nails. This means that we're going to find out all about outdoor life, being a Yorkshire girl, how Zoe stays fit, and the career that she had before stepping into school marketing. That's all coming up, so come with me now as we head to Scarbados to the one and only Zoe Harrison. Zoe, you're on I'd Rather Be at the Beach. Thank you for joining us. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you very much. It's uh, it's pretty much beach weather as well as we sit here in this second mini heat wave. Well, well, it, well it is, isn't it? I mean, we're recording this in the middle of August and uh, I think when people are listening to this, they might be listening to this in August, but it might be at the start of September when people come back to school. I don't know, really. Um, but I think everyone will, will remember both heat waves. Um, this one's not as intensive as the first one, though, is it? Uh, no, but I think it's just going to be a little bit longer and I think people are ready to enjoy it. Mm. Uh, certainly up in sunny Scarbados, I think it will be absolutely heaving. <laughs> so uh, really good for that lovely town of Scarborough. So tell me a bit about Scarbados. I, I love this name that you give to it. Uh, it's not just us, it's, it's everybody. Tell me, tell me what Scarborough is actually like. Scarborough is... Um, it's a very mixed kind of place. It's, it's a love-hate, depending on how old you are. Uh, and it's really unusual when you show families around the school and things like that because the parents think it's amazing and how beautiful and the fresh air and the beach and the seaside and, and the safety, the security of it, the, the lovely relaxed atmosphere and the kids sort of walk around town and there's nothing to do and there's nowhere to go and there's no mm -hmm. shops and, the, and it's, you know, it's, it's not their bag, it's not their thing. Um, mm -hmm. But on a day like this, the sun's shining, there's people on the beach, it's absolutely packed and, and it's great. And there's an awful lot of people, be it, uh, you know, just local residents or people who go on holidays and come to Scarborough and they come back time and time again. I'm not sure why in terms of holiday resorts when there are so many beautiful places around the world. But certainly having been in Scarborough for the best part of 40 years on and off um, and my friends who were at the school, there is something that gets to you about Scarborough and they just can't wait to get back. It, it pulls you and it draws you and, there, and there's a real passion um, and a longing to be by the seaside and, and you know, it's a well-being place. It's, it's lots of people's happy place and, and it is, it's glorious, absolutely glorious. Mm. So something I've only really just thought about just then when you were talking is that for, for a lot of people listening to this right now, that they, they tend to come from all over, all over the place. A lot of them are scattered all throughout the UK, but a good chunk of them are from down south in the UK. And, and that's exactly where I'm coming to you from today. But of course, the great thing about being down south is that if you want to go to Europe, you can just sort of jump on Eurotunnel or Eurostar if you want to be a passenger on a train and just go straight to Paris. Or, you know, you can take a ferry and then drive straight across Europe. Of course, doing that from Scarborough, you've got a fairly long, well, a very long drive, actually, just to get going, just to get off this beautiful island of ours. Yeah, yeah, we are out on a limb um, and sometimes that's a bit of a drawback. But likewise, it's also that last hour of the journey is really quite relaxing. You might get stuck in traffic, but once you get there, it's worth the drive. It's worth the wait um, and 
people talk about improving the road system and making it better for tourism and people. And actually, I think the locals don't want that. <laughs> I think we want it to be a little bit harder for some people to get there <laughs> and and, uh, and keep the little bit of the secret that we've got upon the, the North Yorkshire coast. Um, mm. it's, it's special. So you describe yourself as being a Yorkshire lass. I mean, what is it about Yorkshire that makes people so proud to be from that county? It's quite hard because if you're not one of us, you don't quite get it as well. It's it's mm. you're born and bred, although I'm not born and bred in Yorkshire, but I have been adopted since the age of eight. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd like to think I, I now qualify um, and have married into Yorkshire and, and have certainly <laughs> done my time, served my time living here. This is also a little bit in terms of school sales pitch. You know, people are tough and resilient, um, mm. but people are friendly and they're warm and they're caring and, and people just stop and chat um they'll give you the time of day uh they don't take anything for granted either you know they get on with life and they'll, they'll pick themselves up they'll brush themselves off but they're also here for their neighbor for their friend um mm-hmm. and and yeah life is always good generally the mm. optimists although they have deep pockets and they won't waste money and uh mm-hmm. you know always keen to find a bargain or, or get best value for money so that's also mm-hmm. very important as well so that you know mm-hmm. they, they won't mm-hmm. easily be had over or or, or be conned by things. Now, as well as being involved in school life, you're involved in farm life as well, I think, aren't you? Yes, that's right. So uh, my my other career or uh, life uh, job is being married to a farmer and having a, a son who's a farmer, um, fourth generation farm we're now in. Um, and yeah, that takes up a lot of time and it's a very different way of life from from the normal nine to five job that uh, most people experience so so yeah it's our busiest time of year at the moment flat out with harvest then we'll be going straight into the drilling season Um, and it's really good for relationships because my husband gets up at half past five and goes off to work and generally gets back at 10 o'clock of which time I don't see him either end of the day so it's it's good for us (laughs) (laughs) get to watch what's on telly I get control of the tv box for a while Uh, don't have to worry about having tea on the table dead on uh, six seven o'clock or whatever so Mm -hmm. it you know it has its perks um, Mm -hmm. but it can also be a very lonely time of year as well because you are on your own um, mm-hmm. But there's, you know, beautiful countryside, uh, a lot to be grateful for um, and a lot of friends in the same situation. So you're never the only one who is um, technically a, a farming or a harvest widow at this time. So there's lots of mm-hmm. other friends in the same situation and everybody mm-hmm. understands it. So we're all out mm-hmm. in enjoying ourselves, but also looking after our families and having our careers and doing our jobs and, and enjoying the sunny days. But farm life is very, very different to this world of you know, independent school marketing, isn't it? You know, because one minute oh, you can completely. be at school uh, talking about a Facebook ads campaign or talking about a new website or or dare I say photography. Um, and then the <laughs> next minute you're you're there talking farm life and you're back home and, and you're doing whatever it is that people do on farms. I'm not quite sure. How do you cope with that difference between the two? Well, it's really nice because you get that complete break and you get the complete opposites. Um, so mm. in terms of mental stimulation and and getting involved in things I can go to do the schoolwork and switch on one part of my creativity and my brain and and, and that Mm -hmm. and then the farming side is not so much hands-on and and practical for me but um, I do a lot of work in the in the farm office I do the accounts and the books Uh, I get involved with a lot of the insurance side of things um, Mm -hmm. the day-to-day running of the farm from that end 
I do not drive tractors, forklifts, combines or anything of that nature because <laughs> they, they just don't trust me. And to be fair, the size of those machines, they are just frightening. Um, mm. And mm. they're always under pressure and you've got to go and you've got to get it in and you can't spill a drop and, and, mm. and it is high pressure at this time of year. Um, mm. So, yeah, I get the best of both worlds. Uh, I can enjoy the the countryside lifestyle but also i can be in a in a business that's creative and has that element for travel farmers don't travel they don't go anywhere they they they're born and bred in the same home of which is where their parents were born which is where their grandparents were born mm -hmm. um the idea of going on holiday you might be lucky well we're we're lucky if we go once every three years um but a summer holiday in july august is is not possible. So the chance of working in a school and doing marketing and getting to do a trip to Italy or Spain or Thailand, um, as much as those trips are hard work, they're so mm. enjoyable. So you get that little break mm. and you get to see the world. Um, mm. And if you get itchy feet every now and again, it sort of ticks that box and then mm. come back mm. to the rolling acres and the fields and, uh, uh, and everything else that goes along with the lovely country farm life. Mm. Uh, Jeremy Clarkson with his farming program on, is it Amazon? Uh, is, is, is that a yeah. good thing for the farming community or is that, you know, do, does the farming community frown upon what he does? No, it's been brilliant. It went, when it came out, um, Clarkson on the farm, everybody raved about it. Have you got it? Have you watched it? Have you seen it? Oh, wow. Um, That's good. We had to go and get the a fire stick for grandpa so that he could watch it. And he got the book mm -hmm. for Christmas. And, mm -hmm. and to be fair, you know, Jeremy Clarkson does... There's a lot of scripting and he does make a big thing out of lots of things that he does um, on the television and, and, you know, a bit for reaction. But the reality is he came across really well and he was dealing with the things that we deal with every day. And the biggest mm. thing is the weather. You can't control it. And when he got to the end of that series, I was like, you know, I've done all this hard work and I've, I've had all these problems and the machinery is so expensive. And my corn and I got to harvest and didn't have anywhere to store it. And I had to sell it straight away, but I didn't get the right price. And it, this is the profit. So all that hard work for not a huge amount. And that's not mm. the same for everybody. Um, but the hard work is and the constraints and the, the jumping through hoops. And, um, and generally farmers are doing it because they love the job and they love being out on the land. And they don't like to have to fill in forms and paperwork and... Mm. You know, the government and the bureaucracy and Brexit and all the other things that go on and, and wars and prices and costs, they, they have to deal with all that. So it's a, it's a big business nowadays from just being jumping on a tractor and mm. gathering in the, the harvest and the crop and, and then starting again for next year. But yeah, he's done a good job for the farming sector. Uh, and I think a lot of people are a lot more aware of what actually goes on. It's mm. still a bit of tongue in cheek with what he comes across with, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's probably more realistic and, and more down to earth than some of the features that you might get on, on country file, um, you know, which have to cater and, and are targeting a, a much wider audience. He is mm -hmm. telling it how it is as a farmer. So you think that he's doing it genuinely for the love of farming as opposed to just sort of, you know, getting ratings up and, you know, signing a new contract with Amazon? I think he'll be getting the contract side of things as well, but mm -hmm. he wouldn't stick it out if he didn't actually enjoy it. And mm. there's got to be some element and and all of the people that you know we work with and that we've all been brought up with around here, they do it because they love it. Mm -hmm. And those who don't have a 100% commitment and passion for what they're doing in farming... Mm the best thing for them is is to get out and find something mm. that they're happy with because yeah. 
it's a long time. And the same for the next generation for our son, Henry. Mm. You know, don't come back to the farm straight away. Go out, travel, mm. do other jobs, mm. see what the world's like. Because once you come back to the farm and if that's what you want to do, you're a long time farming and, and they never retire. So, mm. you know, granddad is uh, well, 76, 77. He's still out working. He, he doesn't fully retire. There aren't very many of them that do. Mm. It's just in their blood, genuinely in their blood. So, you know, you, you say that it's in their blood, but, you know, is there, you know, looking at Henry, for example, I mean, how old is Henry at the moment? 25. 25. You know, is there any pressure that he feels that he's under to, to pick it up, given that you mentioned four generations? Uh, there are elements, uh, and we have had numerous conversations over the years, but Patrick and I have sort of always brought him up, and, and Patrick has understood... Uh, how times have changed and has not pushed him into that. Whereas when Patrick and his brother Jeremy were at school, it was expected. They they came home on their 16th birthday. They finished their O-levels, GCSEs, and were straight back at home on the farm wow. that July because mm. they were needed. Mm. Uh, they weren't allowed the options to, to go anywhere else, do anything else. And they wanted to do that and, and they have stuck with it. But you know, trying to then the next generation say, you know, you don't have to. Mm. We would love it if you did. Grandpa feels a little bit different. It's like, gosh, what you don't want to, what have we done? <laughs> you haven't done anything wrong. But, you know, there's a big wide world out there. And, and he has come back. And, and as it happens, he's also slightly gone away and he set up his own business on the side. Mm -hmm. But he's got the flexibility now to come and help us at the really busy time of year. So he's back working for us as a casual laborer for two months. Mm -hmm. And then he'll go off um, on his new business venture, which is two villages away. And he's his own boss doing his own thing trying to set the world on light. And is that anything to do with farming, his own business? He's diversified into recycling. So wow. him and a mate mm -hmm. um, decided during lockdown, twiddling their thumbs <laughs> over the phone, uh, like everybody else, what am I going to do? Uh, and they thought, well, there's a gap in the market for agricultural waste, mm -hmm. which is where it started, uh, taking specific agricultural waste and selling that, plastics, cardboards. And then since then, they've specialized in shotgun cartridges. Oh. So they now um, deal with quite a large number of nationwide clay shoot grounds. Mm -hmm. And they will collect or companies will pay to, for them to come and take away their shotgun cartridges. Mm -hmm. And they store them, they clean them, they process them. Uh, split the the metal off, wow. sell the metal parts for scrap, mm -hmm. uh, granulate the plastic, and then they're selling on and recycling that plastic back into uh, other forms of manufacturing wow. and mm -hmm. hopefully will produce end products themselves. So they're busy with that, but startup businesses aren't easy. So you have a lot of hours, a lot of hard work for very little return in mm. the early days. Mm. Um, mm. But yeah, they're, they're having a go at it. So that's really good to, to hear. And That's really good to hear. Yeah. He's got his Lamborghini and his Aston Martin on order. So uh, yeah, they've obviously got high hopes. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, good for him. Um, so we tell us a little bit about what you were doing before. Well, I was going to say before the world of farming, but it sounds like you kind of married into farming. So you've probably been doing that for a while, but before the world of independent schools in that case. So for me, I, I stumbled into um, 
independent school marketing. But when I left school, uh, like many students, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I I knew I did not want to go to university. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'd been at boarding school. I had been a bit of a rebel. I'd had my time away. I actually wanted to just sort of slow down and settle down. Mm. And I went into the finance sector and got a job with Lloyds Bank. I went in as a management trainee Mm -hmm. and was doing, doing that side of things for three, four years. Um, and it was steady. It was, it was okay. It was not setting the world alight Mm -hmm. and then had the opportunity to go into, uh, finance, investment, banking. So Mm -hmm. I was doing mortgages, pensions, insurance, uh, sales role, enjoyed seeing the people, enjoyed being out and and doing that side of things. But Mm. there was a lot of pressure in there because it's sales and it's commission based. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, you know, I'm doing the best thing for the people. I, I want to give them the right service, but you can't actually afford this. So, Mm -hmm. um, so conscience and being a hard salesperson was quite tricky. Mm -hmm. Um, married family took a career break and then went on and decided to retrain as a a garden designer. So whilst Henry was going to nursery, Mm -hmm. I went to to college, local agricultural college and studied garden design Mm -hmm. and then set up, thought two ways here. It'll help me with my large overgrown garden that we've got on the farm Mm -hmm. uh, and I can have some idea of what I'm doing. And if not, I will get creative and and do other people's and design their gardens. So Mm. I ran that just as my own little business for eight, 10 years whilst Henry was at school. So I could go and watch him play rugby and cricket, Mm -hmm. um, fitted in with farm life and farm work and and gave me some creative outlet. Mm. And then from there stumbled in through one thing and another into the marketing at at the school. So couldn't manage to do everything, too many things to juggle. And uh, I just potted with the garden design, do a few for people every now and again, but Mm -hmm. generally uh, try and just look after my own patch and enjoy the creative side that I now get to do in, in marketing. So ticks that box quite nicely sounds awesome mm. it does uh now we're, we're not able to talk about school because this is the podcast where we where we don't talk about work but just tell us something about uh your love of hockey because uh w- whenever i see any updates from scarborough college which you've posted yeah. and i can tell the ones that you post uh that they're, they're they're often uh, they're often centered around <laughs> hockey so so tell me about your love of hockey and where all of that came from and what's going on in your world oh, it's a little telltale sign isn't it yeah <laughs> <laughs> the favorites so i'll push that one today um, um, hockey was just through school. So as as all kids, I love my sport. It meant it was my outlet from not wanting to do the academic side, but I did the sport. So I then managed to get through on the academics as well. Um, I had a very inspiring hockey coach. Uh, not quite sure his tactics would work nowadays, but you know, you were frightened of him, but you also wanted to do your best by him, and you wanted to get on, and you 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 learnt and you played to as much mm. as you possibly could, as well as you could. And it just carried mm. on. So sport is that one thing that I really believe when you you go somewhere new, so whether it's university or a new job or, or you're living on your own, you go and find that local sports club and you've got something in common with the people around you. So you can always talk, mm. talk sport. And then mm. you find people from all different walks of life and you create this huge network of friends who you wouldn't otherwise bump into. Um, and everybody's on a level playing field and, uh, and mm. it's, it's great that team spirit. So I played at Driffield hockey club for the best part of 30 something years. Um, and then the last few years I've moved to Scarborough purely because I could get to training 
because I would walk out of my office door and, and be on the school pitch rather than have to drive home and then drive out later. So a little bit lazy mm -hmm. from that point of view. So convenience. Mm -hmm. um, and then started back probably 10 years ago um, with master's hockey. And I thought, gosh, I can't possibly be a veteran and I can't be old and play master's. <laughs> but it was probably one of the best things to ever do because you're with like-minded people whose bodies are starting to ache slightly and mm -hmm. your performance is just not quite where you were, but your head's telling you you can still do it, but your, your legs aren't. Uh, and, and again, met some fantastic people, played at a really good level of hockey. So playing uh, with Driftfield Masters, we've been to Lee Valley for two National Cup finals. Um, came second twice, you know, third time lucky maybe if we get there again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and I've played representative for uh, North, North England, uh, which is now Yorkshire and North East. And last, when were we, last June, July, um, played in a, in a fantastic Masters team down in Nottingham uh, at the Hockey Centre against England, Scotland and Wales as the invitational side. Um, I had the most amazing weekend playing such a high standard of hockey uh, for the mm. Masters ladies. So, and again, friends there who who get it, and from all over the the north of England, all true proper northern lasses who give one hundred and ten percent to their sport, mm -hmm. to their team, to their players, um, and and we have a great laugh as well. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I'm expected to do a little bit of entertainment for the group as well, you know. <laughs> and of course, uh, I mean, I don't know a great deal about hockey, but but I do know that England's been doing pretty well in the whole world of hockey recently, haven't we, over the last few years? Yeah, the girls have done really well. I was down there on Sunday to watch them win their uh, Commonwealth Games final match. So bringing home okay. the gold medal was really good. The men... The men were really unlucky with the umpire decision in their semi-final. They were they were robbed, absolutely, but are playing well. Um, and one of the lads who's in the team there was at school and played hockey with Henry. So it's lovely to see that next generation. Oh, wow. So mm. Henry, likewise, has picked up the same love of sport that I have. And he got through to England um, selection when he was 18. Didn't quite get to the top, but has loved his sport and, and has since gone on played club mm. uh played mm -hmm. at university and is now playing rugby so it's it's definitely a family thing um mm. we all we like to be out there enjoying mm. on the pitch and off the pitch afterwards well it definitely sounds like you're a lover of outdoor life put it that way mm. yep yep definitely can't beat being outdoors especially when you're up in yorkshire uh, well, sorry, we need to bring this to a close in a minute. Um, mm -hmm. But tell me what your plans are for the rest of today. I mean, here we are at 20 to 2 in the afternoon. It's a warm day and you're at the farm. So what does the rest of your day look like? Well, not very typical, really. Um, I know this is not a school or a works uh, podcast, but the work team are coming around. So we're having our, our staff social today. So we're coming here. We're having a barbecue. We're going to chill out. Um we have a very beautiful location, so I'm going to treat the rest of the team to a bit of sunshine and R&R. &R. Uh, then later on, it'll mm -hmm. be on the bike, go out for cycling, enjoy a bit nice. of the late evening sun, um, mm -hmm. meet up with the girls later, and possibly a, a cheeky gin and tonic on the patio later on with the dogs. Oh, sounds perfect. <laughs> cheeky gin and tonic. I love it. Mm. Look, Zoe, <laughs> thank you for your time. Thanks for being here today, and uh, thanks for talking to us on I'd Rather Be at the Beach. Thank you so much, Simon. Lovely to speak to you. So that was Zoe Harrison from Scarborough College talking all about farm life in Yorkshire. Really good of you to come onto the show, Zoe. Thank you so much for being here. 
Now, meanwhile, the really interesting thing is that you're still here listening, proving that people listen to podcasts all the way through to the end. To find out more about podcasting in your school for your own marketing purposes, then come visit our website, www.thebonjouragency.com, and you can find out more there. But in the meantime, the next episode is coming out soon, so click that option to follow or subscribe, and then it just means that you won't miss it. We'll see you next time. Bye for now.